Welcome, friends, to today's edition of Balanced Living, Changing Lives for Good. I'm joined today in the studio by Vicki Griffin, who has a master's degree in human nutrition, and she's also the director of Lifestyle Matters. Thank you so much, Vicki, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Pastor Wes. We're going to talk today about the entertainment trap and how entertainment is really affecting people all across America and really across the world. It's a growing epidemic where people are engaging in social media, video games, movies, and all these types of things. But Is it really the very best thing for us? Does it really have an impact on our lives for good or for bad? And so, friends, before we get into our topic, I just want to point you to our website at lifestylematters.com, and you can go there and find free downloads of all of our programs. There are PowerPoints, there are videos, there are tracks, and all the materials you would need to have a balanced life and balanced living are there. So once again, that website is lifestylematters.com. Well, Vicki, I'm very excited about this topic because I know that a lot of parents and a lot of people are struggling with this issue. Parents watch their kids. You know, the average child watches some type of media for about 7 to 10 hours a day, and it's becoming just a real serious epidemic. So we're going to talk about that today. Give us some thoughts as we begin here. Well, you're absolutely right, Pastor Wes. Our world has gone digital, and it is affecting us completely in every area of our lives, whether it's at home, work, school, and everywhere in between, frankly. Media is everywhere. It's television, internet, computer, smartphones, and video games. These all vie for our attention. In fact, we are literally being shrapneled with information and sound bites. So what effect does this have on our social context and on our biology and on our brains? That's the question that we want to address today. And what can we do to dial down the dangers of excess media in our lives? Now, we don't want to give the wrong impression that media in and of itself is bad, but it's the length of time that we're doing it, the choice of content. You know, media can be very useful, can educate, cultivate, develop certain connections, and can communicate information that is very essential to large amounts of people. So if we use it wisely, it can be used for good. But we're going to see today that our society has been geared and really conditioned towards abusing that. And so we want to move away from the abuse to have a balanced approach. That's right. In fact, teens are spending an average of nine hours or more a day with some form of media more than any other activity besides sleeping. And so as one of the world's foremost addiction experts, Nicholas Cardaris has said this, I know addiction when I see it. And I'm seeing it in epidemic proportions in the obsessive video gaming, compulsive texting, and hypnotized states of the kids I treat. You know, Vicki, when I was in my late teens and early 20s, I was hugely addicted to video games. And I would play them all day, all night, and all the next day. And I remember one particular time, there was a certain game that I really liked, and I played this game for three days and two nights without sleeping. I'd actually pay my roommate money to go and make food for me. The only time I stopped was when I would have to go to the bathroom. And so after those three days and two nights, I virtually collapsed in my bed, and my brain could not function anymore, and I slept for about 20 hours. I mean, it it was crazy. And I later read a newspaper article about a young man who had played a video game for the same amount of time, and he actually began to have seizures and ended up dying because, you know, video games, right on the packages, there's these warning labels that they can cause seizures and cause too much brain stimulation. 
So this is a real serious issue. Absolutely. And, um, thankfully, I've broken away from that. But there's a lot of parents today that have children who are playing games and watching movies and entertainment and social media to great extremes. And we often sometimes just dismiss it as well. It's just interesting for them or whatever. But it really can cause serious health problems. It affects us as well. And constantly checking emails and texts and Facebook and likes has a profound changing effect on the brain. It fragments the ability to pay attention. And so several of the things that occur, not just in children, but also in the mature brain, is that social and coping skills are altered. So social media does not develop these skills and in fact may diminish them. Attention, mood, and motivation are also affected. So it increases short bursts of attention, but staying focused on non-media tasks is more difficult. That's very, very important. Now, this is interesting because I remember seeing a number of years ago a study that came out that said letting children play video games can actually increase their attention and their learning skills. But now they're finding that that's really not the case in most situations. I mean, it might for a short time, but the longer you play, the worse your attention span gets and your inability to actually learn and retain information. Exactly. And as we go through our discussion today, we will find out exactly how that works because these games and these media are calibrated to set up a system of false rewards Mm -hmm. that are immediate. And when you work on a task that is not of that type, it takes perseverance, it takes focus, it may be boring, there may be no immediate reward in sight. And yet those very kinds of tasks actually build the brain, Mm -hmm. build the reward systems in a more healthy way so that we can accomplish long-term as well as short-term goals. So there's a reduction in the desire for simple tasks that actually help us develop. Exactly. And the addictive nature of these media outlets actually promotes depression, fatigue, anxiety, and mood disorders. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. So an ever-increasing amount of clinical research actually correlates screen time with some very pronounced psychiatric disorders such as ADHD, addiction, anxiety, depression, increased aggression, and as you were saying in your personal story, that level of addiction can create psychosis where the individual cannot separate reality from the imaginary world that they are in. And we think of those avatars that have been so popular. Yes, that's right. People are becoming more and more fascinated with that, which is not reality. And that can become an addiction and very damaging to our daily lives. I've also seen research that says screen time can reduce significantly the production of melatonin in the brain. When we go to bed at night, we're not producing that melatonin that creates a lot of other things that our brain needs to function very effectively. Right. We're both in ministry and we've both worked late and I produce PowerPoints and and I have checked emails at 10 o'clock at night on my phone and I understand how that creates insomnia. And the question I ask myself at those times is, how did I become so important that I need to be available or know what's going on every minute of every day? That's right. And so I am actually training myself Mm -hmm. to be more aware of this and to go for walks without my phone and to leave it in the other room and to just not let it control me. You know, I started, I actually had that same frustration and I actually bought this box that I hung on the wall beside my front door. When I come home in the evening, I put my phone in the box and it has a plug connected to it so I can plug it in and charge it. And I check it just once every hour or so for just three or four minutes. And then when I go to bed, I leave it there. I bought myself a good old-fashioned alarm clock instead of using my phone so that my phone is not beside my bed all night long and I'm sitting there surfing the Internet or checking emails. And it's made a world of difference for me. 
That is a wonderful tool. And uh, by the way, let's just drop those smartphones in the boxes as well. There you go. So Dr. Carderis also has said that recent brain imaging studies conclusively show that excessive screen exposure can neurologically damage a young person's developing brain in the same way that cocaine addiction can. And this is significant because now we're not talking about just a moral lapse or a spiritual issue. Now we're talking about a condition, a physiologic change. So now we have Mm -hmm. slipped into something that has changed our biology, our chemistry, and our metabolism. So there's no doubt scientifically that prolonged screen time of any type is just as addictive as physical substance. Well, think about it. Not only are these programs calibrated to give you instant sense of reward and gratification and stimulate dopamine, which has to do with the pleasure centers of the brain, but also they are timeless. Mm -hmm. They are anonymous. There are no boundaries. There are no limitations. When you're getting ready to purchase something at a store and you are standing in line, you have time to think about it. That's right. We are a click away from any experience we want. And so the addictive nature of this media is something that we need to be very aware of as we use the media for good. It will develop in us the sense of impulsiveness, impulsive buying, impulsive eating, impulsive recreation, that impulsive buyer buys that thing and then you have buyer's remorse. But we have seen a great increase in impulsiveness in our society. And it's really stimulating or rooting back in the social media and the screen time. Right. And in addition, a wealth of scientific evidence shows us that there is a big difference between active and passive experience on the brain. So active responses to cognitive challenges is unquestionably what activates adult neurons in learning. Give us that in layman's terms. Okay. So having an online dog that you feed, Mm -hmm. and you're responsible for this dog online, or you're watching the experiences of someone else. It actually increases fatigue. It increases vulnerability to addiction. It increases tension. It increases feelings of helplessness and drains energy. And so when you actively get out, and you're not just watching programs about dogs, but you are taking your dog for a walk, caring for that dog, talking to your neighbors, getting with other pet owners, it's a completely different experience than this anonymous, timeless, limitless, Mm -hmm. instant gratification kind Mm -hmm. of scenario. And so you think of what we're not doing when we're using these medium. You think of the fatigue and depression that are a result. Think of how you felt after three days of this. I love this book by psychiatrist Richard Winters. He wrote a book entitled Still Bored in a Culture of Entertainment. The Mm -hmm. interesting fact is, is that the more aggressively we try to entertain ourselves, the more bored we become. He says this, when stimulation comes at us from every side, we reach a point where we shut down our attention to everything. The flip side of consumerism is complacency. The most compulsive of shoppers and channel surfers move from feeling good to feeling nothing. Hmm. That's very fascinating. And you see that so often in our society today with video games and, and all these different things. Video games often are using a mix of novelty, speed, and reward that lure players to spend hours achieving artificial goals. And it's just like a whiskey bottle. People drink the whiskey to escape their problems. But at the end of the whiskey bottle, there's still my problems and there's more problems. At the end of the hours of playing that video game, the problems and the reality of life is still there. And I have to go back to it. And so the thing that people are doing instead of that is they're just spending more time in that artificial world. And ultimately, it's really destroying people. 
This is so fascinating, too, what you are alluding to, because research shows, especially the research of Antonio Damasio, shows that frequent exposure to violence and sexual images and gaming actually numbs the emotions. And here's how it works. The ability of the brain to receive information and facts, those processing centers actually work faster than emotional tagging. Emotional tagging takes several seconds. So according to Dr. Damasio, no matter how terrifying, images are shown so briefly that there's no time to emotionally sense or tag the horror of a situation. And so what happens is horrific scenes of violence and immorality no longer evoke moral distress. The emotional sense of good and evil is actually blunted. So a person may cognitively understand that something is wrong, but there's no sense of horror attached Mm -hmm. to it. He calls it being emotionally rudderless. And that's how we've been able to develop a really a whole culture of people that are going in and doing school shootings, people that are just brutally killing people in ways that we couldn't have even imagined 100 years ago. And when they sit in the courtroom, they're just blank because their entire brain and emotional systems have just shut down. And we as a society are being lured down that road because a viewer, we may be eating popcorn and enjoying a drink while watching murder, mayhem, and torture. Mm -hmm. And so what has happened with media and the cinema is that realism has become the holy grail. Mm -hmm. It no longer looks like a cartoon. It's real. And we are mentally and emotionally participating in these activities. Mm-hmm. And people can, I mean, even now there's the 3D things that you can actually enter into the world, not just watch it from two-dimensional, but actually enter into it. And people reach the point as their moral compass becomes numbed, they reach the point where they're not distinguishing between the true and the false. And that's where people can walk in and kill a whole slew of people and not feel a thing and go to work the next day. It is just mind-blowing. Our whole society is moving towards that. And it may not even be that extreme. Just being nasty to people or how we treat people. Somebody may say, well, I would never murder somebody. That may be true, but how we interact with people. We walk by a homeless person that genuinely needs help or somebody who's broken down on the road or somebody who's had an accident. And years ago, people would rush to help that person, but now they take selfies behind somebody who's laying there bleeding to death. And so we may not actively be involved in those activities, But we're also passively ignoring the needs of our fellow man because of a society that's been built around these types of concepts. And it increases our own sense of depression, worthlessness, hopelessness, and meaninglessness. And so I'm so thankful for the good book and the counsel that we are given in Psalm 101, verse 3. David said, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of him that turns aside. I will not know a proud person. A high look and a proud heart I will not suffer. And so becoming familiar and enjoying these things for entertainment has a sculpting effect on our morals Mm -hmm. and our spirituality as well as our brains. That's right. It's a beautiful principle to live by. Even if a person isn't a Christian or having religious convictions, still always looking to what is good, looking to entertain ourselves and engage in things that are uplifting and building rather than tearing us down and making us numb to moral principles. So at this juncture, Pastor, I know that God has called my heart, your heart, as we've been involved in these kinds of things. God is calling all of us, not just you and I, to choose. And he's asking us, he says, cease to do evil, learn to do well. And I have to ask myself the question, and our viewers, I invite you to ask yourself the question, am I playing games or viewing programs for entertainment that are violent, immoral, 
occult or foolish. Mm-hmm. These create an internal environment that is destructive and depressive as well as impulsive. Really, this question to ask ourselves is a matter of life and death. It because is. Because we are destroying ourselves if we're choosing these other things rather than the path that God would have for us. And it has an influence on others. And so it is impossible, what we're talking, the level of involvement that we have with media, it's impossible to accomplish this on our own. But with the power of God, we can actually navigate through this maze of media, develop healthy habits, healthy habits that do not bring pollution, addiction, and sorrow into our own souls and our influence on others. That sounds like a great life to me. (laughs) Well, it is. Wisdom is actually making a decision today that you're going to be happy about tomorrow. And we have some practical solutions, some practical tools for breaking out of this media addiction. Mm -hmm. One of the first steps is to resolve that meaningful activities and relationships beat being a bystander to Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. Resolve is very huge. And to really exercise the freedom of choice and the will to resolve within myself, really I can resolve and choose all day But that doesn't necessarily give me the power. It just gives me the power of choice. And really the power to act out or to actually act upon that resolve has to come from God. That is true. He even draws us to make us sorry or create an awareness that what we're doing is harming ourselves and others Mm -hmm. and Christ who died to take away these tendencies. And so one of the first things we need to do is focus. Focus on the task at hand. Do not allow media to distract you. So create a task. Focus on it. Don't check Facebook five times while you're emptying the dishwasher. Now, Vicki, let me just ask you this because it's very interesting that it's easy to say, don't do that. It is. But then when it comes to the application, there's a struggle. I mean, I remember I actually, and we're not telling people that they should or have to do this, but I actually ended up deleting my Facebook account permanently because I realized that I was on it too much. But for two weeks, Mm Vicki, two weeks after my account was deleted and I had no more account, I would open my laptop, I would open my web server, Mm -hmm. my Safari on my Mac, and I would type in Facebook.com just out of pure habit for two weeks after my account was deleted. Yes, and I know from personal interaction with you that your Facebook account was used for good purposes. It was for ministerial purposes, posting devotional thoughts, but checking it, checking it, checking Mm -hmm. it, and then the likes come in. And so, yes, it fragments attention so that when you try to focus on a project, you can't pay attention. And so learning to refocus, look what you did. You put a box in your house. You did not make provision for that weakness. That's called a strategy. One of the other things I did, I would often check the news. And so on my smartphone, I actually, there's a setting in there, and I actually blocked all the websites so that when I go to my web surfer, I go there and I'll say, this site is not allowed. And that triggers in my mind, hey, you know, I'm actually thinking about it. I'm focusing on, hey, I'm not using these websites right now because I'm thinking about other things. So if I want to do it, I have to go in there, I have to enter in a passcode, and I have to reset it. And by the time I do all that, I've reminded myself, you're not doing that. And so building those strategies, focusing and being intentional about these things are so crucial. That is fantastic. So you recognize that you have this challenge, and I check the news too much. This is great that this tool is available, and it's calibrated to snag us because they change the headlines every 10, 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. What it does to our brains is it impairs us for the real work that we are called to do for God. That's right. That's That's what it does. And I'll tell you, you know, since I've given those things up, it was challenging for a little bit, but I have not missed it since I've given it up. I spend more time in my garden. I spend more time with my kids, and these are wonderful things. Yes, I took my Facebook account down as well. I love this scripture, Proverbs 4, 20 and 21. God is speaking to us, and he's saying, pay attention. 
Attention is a treasure. Mm -hmm. The ability to pay attention to a task is a treasure, and it grows with practice. Practice not only makes perfect, practice makes permanent. Pay attention to my words. Let your ear be tuned to my sayings. Keep them deep in your heart. God wants our attention, and he's calling all of us to spend time reading the Bible, understanding it. When I pray now and read my Bible, I say, God, I want this in my DNA. I don't want to forget it five minutes after I read it. We are to learn to hold a conversation with God. He is never distracted from you. He's not too busy to pay attention to you. He will never leave you empty-handed when you pay attention to him. So spiritual growth is not instant. It Mm. takes place over time. It takes perseverance. There are dull spots in this process, but it's the source of true life satisfaction, real joy, and the power to live a balanced, healthy life. There's an effort to be put forth in spiritual growth and mental discipline. And many times people just want to say, well, I don't feel spiritual. I don't feel like reading the Bible or feel like praying. And those are the times when we have to intentionally discipline ourselves. But the benefit and the habit that we develop, the pattern that takes place over time, is so beneficial that we'll get in a place where we're greatly missing it if we don't do it. Sitting quietly before God, enjoying his presence. You know, here's the core question. Are you pursuing God? Do you crave to be in his presence? Or are you busy running away from him? Mm. That's what these distractions are really all about. And so why is it so important to filter out any practice that lessens our ability to pay attention to God's word? Well, Proverbs 4 gives us the answer, verses 22 and 23. It says, those words, his words, are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. You will have life. So keeping your heart, Vicki, it's so vital. Only you can make the choices for yourself. I mean, you can allow others to make your choices for you. You can allow others to control you. But really, if you're going to find true freedom, you have to be willing to... Even God can't make those decisions for you. He won't, because he wants us to exercise the will and to choose those things. And there is an enemy that has designed and orchestrated our society to have all these distractions, but God is willing to break through those if we're willing to reach out to him. Well, that's exactly right. And God understands that in this world, there's a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. But there are escapes and choices that we use that actually produce more pain and lessen our ability to deal with the obvious tribulations and problems of life. God wants us to be strong, to face down problems, Mm -hmm. to tunnel through trouble and come out the other end. He wants us to break free from those cycles. Exactly, so that we can have joy and peace in every circumstance, even though we are experiencing sorrow and problems and obstacles. He wants to show himself strong. I love the words of David. David said, My flesh and my heart fail me, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's an inheritance. Mm -hmm. So God has an inheritance, and he always starts with the heart. He always does. So whether we are dealing with physical pain, emotional pain, bad circumstances, whatever the challenge is, God is the strength of our heart. We must not allow anything to separate our attention Mm -hmm. from him. Well, we find that pleasure can come in many packages, and there's all kinds of things that can bring joy to this life that people have done for years. But now, when we've had media replacing those things, they've not been as engaging. But creative pursuits, you know, what type of things can we do? We could take a class, develop new skills. You know, I'm taking a class very soon on woodworking to learn how to cut and build and do all these different things. And when we find our interests and we choose to engage in things that will develop the mind, we'll have intellectual growth. It's going to strengthen our mind, it's going to strengthen our hearts, and it's going to strengthen our bodies. And then we're going to actually begin to be an influence on other people 
for things that are good. There is such satisfaction in learning and discovering those things, whether it's quilting or painting or pottery or woodworking or gardening, whatever it is, bicycling. There's learning new skills, intellectual growth, creative pursuits. All of these things, interestingly enough, stimulate dopamine in the higher centers Mm -hmm. of the brain that are associated with long-term rewards. And so it actually compensates and begins to bypass the instant pleasure circuits that are impaired at the moment. Because when you stop these addictions, there's a feeling of flu and emptiness and an Mm -hmm. all-gone feeling. But as we begin to cultivate these long-term projects and new learning, we actually increase our ability to solve problems, face down challenges. We have better insight, better oversight of our lives, and better hindsight, which means we can learn from our mistakes. And so these all create an exquisite relationship with God, an ability to influence others and have positive relationships. There's no replacing just the daily work of doing what we're supposed to do. You can feel wrong, but do right. And that brings Mm -hmm. its reward. Developing the right choices will impact our thoughts, which impact our feelings. Exactly. I know that developing positive friendships, helping other people, physical fitness, healthy eating, these are all very creative, joy-inducing activities. You know, Richard Winter from Still Bored, that book we quoted earlier in A Culture of Entertainment, he makes a statement, unless we substitute true leisure for our hectic amusements, we will destroy our culture and ourselves. Yes, I appreciate, Pastor, your sharing from your personal experience. I certainly have struggled, not to that degree, but understanding and sensing my attention focus being impaired by too much interaction with these media and putting a stop to it so that I can enjoy the daily life that God has for me every day. God has something new. And so with God's help, not just you and I, but anyone can use media wisely, break media brain lock, and experience the full and balanced life that is his plan for each and every person. That's right. You know, I wanted to quickly mention that it's very interesting to me that many of the music stars, the entertainment industry, the movie stars, those people who develop those things that have created damage in our society, they don't let their kids watch those things or listen to those things. I've always found that very fascinating because they know what it does. But friends, when we combine our will and our choice with God's plan, miracles are going to happen. Your life is going to change. That's right. And I love this prayer. I think we should all pray it together. It's a prayer recorded in Psalm 119, verse 37. And it says this, Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Mm -hmm. I think that's the prayer for all of us. And friends, we want to invite you today to make the decision to turn away from things in your life that you know are damaging you. Bring back into your life the good things. Bring God as the center and the focus of your life. Draw close to him, and as you do, he'll begin to reveal to you the things that really need to go, the things that you really need to get rid of and reduce in your life, because we want you to have balanced living. We want your life to be successful. We want it to be joyful. We want it to be fruitful. We want it to be good. And remember, friends, instead of just seeking what feels good, we want to choose what is good. And so, Vicki, give us a quick final word to our listeners today. Well, the Word of God is the path that changes our lives. There's a saying that as the mind thinks, the mouth speaks, and the man moves. And so I have to start with the inside. I have to start with my mind. And when I read the Word of God, it begins to awaken new desires and new motives in my heart. So we begin to love what God loves and hate what he hates. So we move from time with worthless things to time that gives life and joy. And that changes our thoughts, our emotions, and the entire direction of our lives. So it's a very important topic. Thank you so much, Pastor West, for sharing with me today. Yes, no problem. And we're so glad to have you with us today, Vicki, as well. 
Friends, we want to have a prayer for you today. If you may be struggling, we want you to find victory, and we hope that these things will be helpful to you. Just a reminder to go to lifestylematters.com where you can find all the resources available to you absolutely free. So let's have a word of prayer together as we close. Father, we thank you so much that you've given us a plan for victory. You have used our will, our power of choice. You've used your principles that you've given to us. And when those two come together, wonderful things can happen. So we pray today that every listener would surrender their heart to you, that we would choose your plan and reject these things that are causing so much damage in our lives to have balanced living for life. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, friends, for joining us today. This is Wes Peppers with Balanced Living. Until next time, God bless each one of you.